this chat is very heavy, heavily focused on directors of nursing, but not just the job, the title, what it involves, rather the leadership. I talked to the president of Nadana, Robert Anakar, about leadership and what the association's role is and the challenges for directors of nursing in this post-COVID era, and just really got to know her as a person. I think you'll pick up right away that I had a great time talking to her by the questions, my tone, and how we jumped all over the place. I hope you enjoy this conversation and chat with Robin as much as I do. This episode was brought to you by Experience.Care, the long-term care EHR backed by guarantees. Visit experience.care forward slash guarantee to get your free profitability consultation today. Hello and welcome back to LPC Heroes Live by Experience Care. My name is Peter Murphy-Lewis. I'm your host. Today is going to be a fun chat. I'm talking to Robin Arnakar. She's the Director of Infection Prevention at Erickson Senior Living and probably more well-known for being the president of Nadana. Robin, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Robin, let's start off with when you became president at Nadana, what was the hardest thing? What was the biggest challenge that was on your plate that you walked into or skills that you had to develop? It's interesting. So this presidency, I became president almost two years ago, but I was actually president before. And so when I originally joined Madonna and decided I was going to run for the national board, being honest, as you get a little later in your career, you start reflecting on your career. And probably at the time, I saw the board as not just a means to serve, but as a way to improve my connections and relationships and being honest, resume builder, all those sorts of things. And so when I was approached, so my first presidency, if you will, I was secretary and then vice president and president that go around probably wasn't as selfless as it should have been, just being frank and honest. A lot of times people look at it, what's in it for me? This go around, people approached me and asked me to run again. And I thought about it and I said, I am going to do it again because this time it is strictly about serving. And so this go around in Nadana, I think has a different set of challenges than it did last time. I think last time maybe I was even a little oblivious to really what the challenges were. But now I think the biggest challenge facing Nadana is the challenge that's faced everybody the past three years is how do we do what I call the great reset? How do we get back? to kind of normal operations, not just at Nadana, but in the healthcare facilities and in the profession of nursing and healthcare leaders in general, how do we get back to where we were? Because in some ways we lost some of the progress we had made around really home-like environment and culture care approach, person center approach. So I think we lost some of that ground. And how do we get back to it, especially post-pandemic where we've lost some of the people resources that we used to have. We saw a lot of our baby boomer directors of nursing who were close to retiring anyway during the pandemic just go surrender. And so we lost a lot of those people. And so probably the biggest challenge post-pandemic from a nursing leadership standpoint is really how do we fill all those vacancies, right? And not just fill them, but fill them with people that are ready, people that understand the role, people that are trained and educated to be able to provide the teams and the residents in these facilities with what they need. My follow-up question is, how do you do that? And feel free to say what you feel the campaign or initiative 
that is working? And then what is the campaign that you see in the next year that might be in development? You're not certain if it's going to work, but you have high hopes and that's where you're putting your chips this year. Here's where I'm putting my chips. So I remember when I first became a director of nursing, I was about 26 years old and I worked at this little mom pod nursing home, 125 bed standalone school nursing facility right outside is on the Baltimore City, Baltimore County line. And one thing I really remember about it is a wonderful family that made me their director of nursing and believed in me. I think back on it now, they were crazy to entrust their business to a 26-year-old. But anyway, neither here nor there. So what I remember was right outside, like, my office in the administrator's office, there was this wall. And on the wall was this great big map of, like, our local geographical region blown up. And in this map were pushpins. 25 of those pushpins represented the 25 nursing homes that were within five miles of my building. And then the 50, the 25 outer were within 10 miles. So within five miles of me, there were 25 other nursing homes. Within 10 miles, there were 50 nursing homes. Yet I didn't know one other director of nursing. I never met one. I never talked to another. And I was this brand new director of nursing, trying to figure it out felt all alone and they're still out there those directors of nurse who've never done it before they've been tapped on the shoulder for a variety of reasons they don't know how to connect to the network of support that's available to them and one of the things that we're really trying to do at Nadana this year is make plea to administrators because they are such strategic partners of the director of nursing. And they may not know about Madonna. I didn't know about Madonna. I didn't know about Madonna until I was about five years into my career. Once I discovered Madonna, I'm like, why? There, there's like a whole network of people that are going to help me. And so the big goal this year is to not only get connected to those people that may be disconnected, but to also make a plea to their strategic partners, our administrator partners, to say, let us connect with your nurse leader. Let us help mentor, educate, train, support, listen to, pat on the back when they're crying. Because that's the one thing that made a huge difference in my career. When I was able to connect with other people that were doing my job, my confidence level went up tremendously just because of the fact that when I would go and talk to other directors of nursing, I stopped feeling like all the problems that I was seeing in my building, I stopped feeling like it was my fault. Maybe I wasn't doing a good job. And that's when I started running. These are just problems that are inherent in the system, in the profession. And together, we're going to work on them, right? And even though I might have the answer, somebody else might have a better answer. So that's really the big thing that we're all trying to accomplish this year. We do have some strategic partners that are willing to help us maybe get what we call a summit of key stakeholders around the table and start having these conversations. How do we define core competencies of a successful director of nursing, nurse leader in long-term care? And how do we serve that? How do we serve those needs? I heard you mention to my co-host, Victoria, that one of the things you're passionate about is development of leadership. And one of the words you used in that, and you said, we need to realize that we're more than a nurse. We're not just a staffing solution. We're leaders. Can you walk me through what are the different levels of understanding that you find directors of nursing 
where are they at when you meet them when they come in for the first time and then how do you start to show them there's more several facets or different hats more than just work in the floor yeah so it's interesting and not that i'm ever asking for more regulation but just from a regulatory standpoint if you were to go and look at the regulations of what it requires to become an administrator in a nursing home you have to have a certain education background you got to go through board-approved administrator and training program for sometimes up to a year, and then you have to sit for a national licensure exam, so you have to become a licensed nursing home administrator, and it all makes sense, right? You need to train and develop the people that are going to run that business. It's important. When you even talk about the now the infection preventionist role that was added a couple years ago and updated recently, there's an education and background requirement. There's also a training, education, certification requirement in order to be an infection preventionist in long-term care. For a director of nursing, if you read the regulation, it says RN. That's it. There's no requirement for additional education or training. There's no requirement that they go and get certified, be tested competent in the area of leadership. And leadership is key because what I learned is you have staff nurses that work the floor, right, RNs and LPNs. I'm the same that the other RN is. My licensure dictates that I can do, they can do the same thing that I can. So they don't necessarily need me to be the clinician. And most people, long-term care has changed where the director of nursing used to be the head nurse. You were the head clinician. And while you are still that, you have nurses that are working the bedside that are doing the assessments and doing the documentation and passing the meds and all the things that a bedside nurse does. But the director of nursing needs to, I always tell everybody, as a leader, my job is to make sure that you have what you need to do your job, not to do your job for you. So my job is to make sure that you have the staffing that you need, that you have the supplies that you need, that you have the education and training that you need. In order for me to do that, in order for me to do I need to understand a bigger picture um, what's going on? What are the regulatory requirements? What are the clinical best evidence-based best practices? What are the best supplies out there? How do I recruit and retain good staff? How do I provide for a succession plan for the person that's going to replace me when I hit the lottery? So my job is to make sure you have what you need to be successful in doing your job and to make sure that even if I decide I want to take a vacation, that the operations can continue to do without me. Because if I have to make every clinical decision for every nurse there, I'm not teaching them to fish. They will always be dependent on me. So I need to elevate them up to the place that they need to be, not go and do it for them. So that leadership side of it, and it's so complex because it's QAPI and infection control and regulatory and census management and supply management and budget. And there are so many elements and pieces to being a successful long-term care director of nursing. But again, if we can't get our strategic partners, like our administrators, to start expecting that there's more than just an RN behind the name, because that's where you get to great quality care for our residents when the bedside staff are prepared and have what they need. My boss always says it this way, and I like this analogy. She says, her job is to run down the field and block and tackle to get obstacles out of my way so I can run down and score a touchdown, right? And so it's another way of saying my job is to make sure that you have what you need to do your job. And that's where I think a lot of when the director of nursing is wearing 50 hats, trying to be the bedside nurse and everything else, 
he or she cannot successfully do the job that the lead that they need from a leader. I have a follow up question around how you help director of nursing get to that position, and I think that it's industry specific. I think that all generations, generally speaking, the majority of us are raised to be doers. We're doers in high school. We're doers in our first job. We're doers usually till we get past that mid manager position in life, and then someone coaches us up. I find that it's particularly more difficult in long-term care because I do a workshop in conventions around the book, Five Languages of Love, and how to listen to residents and love them and appreciate them in their love language and our peers and our CNAs. And usually when I do the task and I ask people to show their hands, somewhere between 40 and 60% of the audience love language is acts of service. So getting a new director of nursing to understand that the best way that they can appreciate their staff or love their residents, that acts of service isn't running on the floor. It's a different type of act of service. That can be a different jump. I'm interested if you pick up on that and given that extra challenge, given that leaders in our industry love by working their butts off, how do you teach them to love in a different way? That's a very good observation and it's true. Nurses, by their nature, want to serve people. And nurses, by training, are taught there's a problem, find a solution. And the difference is really about recognizing that your job, and it's hard to stop being, and I don't mean disrespect because I'm a nurse, just a nurse. And I think it's how do you get there? One, that your administrator or your boss recognizes that your role is changing. And then that you recognize that your role is changing. A, a simple thing, like I say to directors of nursing heads, still go to work in scrubs. Why do you wear scrubs? You know, wear professional attire, right? I once searched with my administrator, because I got that feedback one time from my administrator, don't wear scrubs, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. And I jokingly said to him, well, am I not? I'm going to look really silly sitting in HR just as Batman. <laughs> but it's true. Some of it's about mindset. And you serve your staff well when you prepare them. You serve your staff well when they can do a job, not just have the competence to do the job, but to have the confidence to do the job. You serve your staff well when they know that you trust them. You serve your staff well when you don't do it for them, but you elevate them to be able to do it for themselves. Because our staff, the nurses and the aides and housekeepers and everybody that I've worked with, you get people, let's say, we're not in long-term care because of the money. We do it because we love what we do. And I found the more that you can prepare the staff to be able to be independent, their own decision maker, and they know that you trust them and respect them and you've given them everything they need to be able to run down that field and score I think they see that as love because it's respect, respect for what you know they can do. I'm interested in, I don't know how to ask the question, so I'm going to bounce around and I'm sure you're smart enough to figure out where I'm going. I'm trying to understand the evolution of a leader when you move from nurse on the floor and your relationship with the administrator. Now you're director of nursing. What's your relationship role? What should you be doing? What does your partnership look like with the administrator? That's a very good question. I think any nurse that is intensely wanting to make the leap from staff nurse or whatever into director of nursing, I think there should be an 
intentional conversation with whether that's your director of nursing and or administrator to say, this is the path I want to take. I want to be in that seat one day. And there needs to be an intentional development plan for that, right? If there's not, if you are literally out one day passing meds and somebody comes and says to you, we need you to be director of nursing and hands you keys, run, <laughs> okay? Run. But I think nurses also need to advocate for themselves. They need to be able to say, I want this. This is my path that I want. And to say to the administrator or director of nursing, whoever it is, how do I get from where I am to where I need to be? What does that path look like? Because maybe that person is an excellent clinician, but they know nothing about true leadership, servant leadership, all the different things that go along with it. They don't know anything about census management or budgets or whatever it is. And a true development path. And again, it's serving the company's purposes and goals, right? Succession planning, preparing the next generation of leaders. But it's also saying to the staff, we value you. And you have a future here. And there is a path for you to be promoted and be successful. Not just promoted, but successful. And so I think as whether you are a new director of nursing coming into a community, I think you need to establish those things during the interview process. What is our relationship like? What are your expectations of me as the director of nursing? And to put it back, my expectations of you as the administrator are this. Because I, I am all about getting out there and pitching in, but I can't do the job that I'm truly hired to do if I'm pushing the med cart 60 hours a week. Because then I'm just your staffing agency, right? And that's not what our nurse leaders are meant to be. That's how you burn them. You burn them out. You burn them out quick and you cycle through them. There have been studies. The best outcomes, the best resident satisfaction, employee engagement, survey outcomes, financial outcomes that happen at building is when you have stable leadership. And stable leadership, just like any other job as a director of nursing, you're not going to stay if they're burning you out, using you up, disrespecting you, not developing you, all those things that you know, we just talked about. So I think that conversation needs to be, it is, it's strange. I remember one day I'm a staff RN and the next day I'm director of nursing. And one of the things I distinctly remember was like all of a sudden everybody's running to me to ask me everything. And I'm like, all right, time out, time out. I'm like, I don't know why y'all think I'm any smarter today than I was yesterday. <laughs> I, it's just a different day. I'm the same person and you're the same person. And what would you thought about this yesterday? Okay, we'll do that because sometimes people just want to understand where you stand on things. They want to know what authority they have, how much you trust them. So I think that goes for whether it's, one of your subordinates or for your boss, your administrator, whoever it is that you report to as the director of nursing. Robin, going kind of staying on the succession planning, I guess I want to ask, where are you in terms of optimism, pessimism on a scale of one to hundred, where we're going to be three years from now, five years from now? I find that when I'm interviewing leaders like yourself, they can have the glass half full most of the time. That's why they're still here. But there's moments where they don't know, how are we going to solve this? How many directors of nursing are we going to be short three years from now? How much is staffing agency going to be filling our, delivering our care? Okay, confession time. 
Yes, I host the LTC Heroes podcast, and hopefully you know that by now, but I can't take all the credit. Jason Long, the CEO of Experience Care, told me two years ago that when we started this show, that this new audio platform had to create value for everyone, whether you're a client of Experience Care EHR or not. Then he encouraged me to become a CNA to really help LTC Heroes resonate with caregivers and leaders. And between you and me, he really knew what he was talking about. LTC Heroes has been invited to almost 10 conventions in 2022 to finally shine a light on what leaders like you have been doing for decades. It's that sort of knowledge of the industry that really makes me appreciate Experience Care, which has developed a customizable and intuitive EHR that makes clinical financial and billing processes more efficient and accurate. It transforms workflows into something that makes sense so you can focus on what really matters, caring for your residents. The software is used by ALFs, SNFs, CCRCs, big and small facilities alike. Countless users have reached out and shared with me that it really is effective in helping them improve outcomes. I can honestly say that I know my grandparents would be proud to learn that I work at a place like at Experience Care, and I just wanted to take the time to thank Experience Care for sponsoring this podcast. Check out their latest products at www.experience.care. I am the ultimate optimist, but my COO of this company, she likes to say hope is not a strategy. And hope is not a strategy. So while we all hope it gets better, it's funny, you get to a point in your career, and I became an LPN at 17, right? So I've been doing this for 36 years at this point. I'm 53, so i got at least another 10 years in me, right? So I'm the ultimate optimist, but I know there needs to be a strategy. And that's one of the things, I want to leave my profession better than I found it. And my mission for the next 10 years, maybe beyond, is to start getting people around the table. Start having intentional conversations about this. Stop sticking our head in the sand, pretending it, it'll just go away. It's not going to go away. It only got, it was bad before COVID. It's only gotten worse since COVID. And if we don't get an intentional plan together, or not just being able to say, yes, there are enough RNs, RN, 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 but get together and as a profession, as a long-term care profession, administrators, directors of nursing, surveyors, medical directors, our pharmacy vendors, our other partners, when we can finally get together and say, look, we're all going to lock arms together and we are going to find a way to make sure our directors of nursing are properly trained, educated, supported, and so that we can, because here's the other thing is when people see what's happening to directors of nursing, the burnout turn rate, nobody else wants to do it. They're like, heck no. But if they can see a profession, an educated, a supported, a calm, <laughs> not running around like my hair is on fire type of leader, you aspire to be that, right? We want to inspire the next generation by letting them see that what we do is worthwhile and fulfilling and meaningful. But if they are out there, because trust me, they're watching. As leaders, we live in a fishbowl. They are watching us. If we're swimming and jumping out of the bowl, they'll be like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I don't know. Fake it till we make it. Maybe that's it. <laughs> no, but I think, again, hope it's not a strategy. We got to be intentional. I guess this is both personal and professional, both professional in terms of what it as our industry, but personal in your evolution. What positive came out of the pandemic, other than we're probably more prepared for infection prevention than any other time in our long-term care history. Apart from that, 
anything positive come out of from you? Anything that you learned about yourself or that you learned about your peers? And is there anything else for our industry that's positive? I think if you've worked in long-term care, and I know you have, probably some of the most stressful times are like blizzards, right? And a blizzard's coming and it's going to be devastating and everybody's dreading it. And then you do it and you look back on it and you go, it was probably one of the greatest moments for us as well, because it's really when you see your team come together. And what I can say is I saw the numerous communities I supported, the endless hours, the obstacles we think we could get past. He would told us 10 years ago this was going to happen. We'd be like, oh, how the heck are we ever going to get through that? And go through everything we went through. I think it made us stronger, more resilient, or at least proved us just how resilient we are. It's that song, I'm still standing. We're still standing. Are we injured? Yes. Are we injured? Absolutely, yes. But I do think this is a time for us to reflect on where our vulnerabilities were pre-pandemic and now. I guarantee you, people are so much better at infection control than we ever were. Heck, I was not in infection control prior to the pandemic. Now I'm a director of infection prevention. Never saw my path leading there, but they needed, I served. But I think we discovered we are resilient. I think we discovered that we have people that are so dedicated to caring for the people that we care for that they will live through health. Because if you've never worked in a nursing home, residence room in the middle of the summer where they still wanted 100 degrees, and now you've got to put PPE on, you don't know that hell until you've ripped it. Because that's exactly what they lived for three years. It's terrible. But they made it through, and I think we've learned how resilient we are. But I do think that we've learned some tough lessons that we are also vulnerable and that are, especially with our leadership, because we were already on that cusp of losing a big part of our workforce to retirement, and they were just so close that so many of them just capped out. They just couldn't do it anymore. So we got to figure out how to rebuild those ranks. And I don't think we can fix rebuilding just your basic bedside nursing staff until we fix leadership, because people are going to be like, I'm not going to go work for these places where they don't have it together. I'm just going to work agency. So I think we can pull them back when we can make it a place where you feel valued and respected and trusted. And that takes good leadership. In terms of staying on top of your game as president of Nadana, how do you process information? How do you go about taking in new knowledge so that you can have smart conversations or lead conversations. And while you start to think of it, I'm going to share what I mean so you have an idea of where I'm headed with the question. I feel like I've read most of the conversations specific in my area, which is marketing or content. So I learn more from other industries and I learn more from really smart people just talking about problems that they don't actually know the solution to, but their framework or their paradigm for approaching the problem is usually where I gain insight. And also books completely unrelated to my problem I learned from. Where do you feel like you're improving yourself professionally when it comes to thought leadership and leading the conversation? So there are two types of people, people that talk to think and people that think to talk. I talk to think. So I do my best learning 
just by talking through a situation with people. And I find that really surrounding yourself with a lot of different diverse views is really the way to go. Because like even for the company I work for, our infection prevention, most people say infection prevention is you think nurse. Actually, we've got some nurses. I've got an epidemiologist. I've got a couple of masters of public health. I have a dietitian. I have two physical therapists. I've got a couple other. I don't want to, oh, I've got a social worker. And these are people that have all been trained to become infection preventionists. And because of that diversity of thought, because we all have so many different experiences, it really lends to a stronger team. And so when I think about how I learn to stay current in my profession, one, my connection with Nadana is critical, right? Whether I was president or a member, it, it doesn't matter. The number of people that you meet and connect with, whether it's nurses, physicians, vendors, people like yourself, I've met so many different people from so many different walks of life, and everybody comes with a different perspective that will make you pause and think. And then, like I said, I like to talk things out. That's how I process. I talk to things. And then there are just kind of leadership professionals in general. I love how you brought up the love languages, acts of service, because people don't always understand the love languages, and you have a love language at work, too. So that's important. And then I think about John C. Maxwell, right? He talks about the five levels of leadership. And one of the things he talks about is the first position, the first leadership you have is because you have a position, right? You were given a job, title, supervisor, manager. That's it. That's the only thing that makes you a leader is your position. But then you get to the point where you have permission. You have the permission of the people you work with to be their leader because they want you to be their leader, not because your title says it. And so... I love reading just general leadership type stuff, and you can always find an application in nursing. I'm also a big believer in understanding what's going on. I personally am not a big social media person, but I do read posts from colleagues and peers. And while some of it can be discouraging, it's also important to understand what people are experiencing and feeling out there because it's really what's helping to drive me to go, all right, we got to find a solution. We got to get the players around the table. We've got to talk about directors of nursing. We've got to find a way to get to stabilize those leadership teams because that is the key moving forward to stabilizing the rest of the nursing team. So it's a little bit of everything. I read magazines, I read books, but mostly talking to people. You will, it, asking people what their solution would be. If you, could, if you had a magic wand, what would it be? And sometimes you're like, we don't need a magic wand for that. We could do that. I like that. I asked that question as well. I haven't thought about it afterwards. Like, yeah, we don't need a magic wand, but it's true use. You have the resources, you have the smarts, you have the hands, you have the brains. So take the magic wand wish and make it possible. As we start to wrap up, Robin, who are some mentors in your life, either here today on this earth or have passed that have helped you become the person you are, the leader that you are, and why? What did you learn from them? So my very first patient, I say tongue-in-cheek, her name was Miss Dorothy. She was probably 80-something. I was six. And she lived on a tray for me. She was confined to the first floor of her row home. And I used to go down there initially because she would give me candy. I'm not going to lie. But then I actually liked her. And so I would go down there and I would help her do things around her house and dump her potty and stuff like that. So she was my very first patient, if you will. And I always knew I was going to be a nurse and take care of seniors because I love Miss Dorothy so much. So she didn't know it, but she was a big inspiration in my life. 
you know, of course, my parents had huge support. My mom is passed, but they were always just so proud of me, anything that I accomplished. But honestly, throughout my career, some of my biggest mentors were people I didn't expect. There was this nurse, she actually, I hired her, she reported to me, and she taught me to think. Her name was Betty, so is Betty, actually. She's retired, lives in Florida. And Betty taught me to think different, to really unpack a situation and really start looking at root cause of problems. Because when you think you know the solution and you put a Band-Aid on it and it doesn't work, but really getting down to the root cause of problems. So Betty was a big inspiration for me. I don't think she even realized how much she impacted my career. And then there are just people like Sherry Dornberger at Madonna and then a million nursing assistants and a million bedside nurses. And then one other person who really lifted my confidence, his name was Dr. Gladue. I was 17. I was working in this place called Beaton Hospital. He was the medical director. I was scared to death. And I remember him walking up to me going, did you admit, Mr. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you wrote that note? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's an excellent note. He goes, I know exactly what that patient looks like before I ever walked in that room. You keep doing that, young lady. You're doing a good job. And my gosh, talk about a confidence booster, right? The medical director talked to me, a lowly LPN at age 17. <laughs> that's cool. Some of that inspiration comes from all kinds of places when you don't expect it. And you don't even realize it at the time, I think. And honestly, there was a nurse. Her name was Roberta. She was so mean. When you say nurses eat their young, there's a picture of Roberta. She was mean, mean as a snake. And I'm only 17 years old. And she was so mean. And one day I was just done with it. And I was stomping off the floor. I threw my badge on my manager's desk. I was leaving. And this guy walks up to me. He was a maintenance guy named Mike. He's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm crying. <laughs> and he's like, where do you think you're going to go that Roberta doesn't work? And I went, he goes, you don't let Roberta drive you off. And this is a maintenance guy. He goes, you're better than that. He said, he said, go in there, wash your face, dry your eyes, get back out there and learn to deal with Roberta. Love it. I feel like that should be a bumper sticker. Where are you going to go in life that Roberta's not going to be? Yeah, they would call her Karen, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. yeah. So Roberta, so Mike was an inspiration in some ways, but Roberta was also an inspiration in some ways. So mentors come in all kinds of forms because she taught me what I didn't want to be. Yeah. So I didn't want to be that nurse that other nurses were afraid of. I wanted to be that nurse that everybody could afford. Robin, it was a pleasure having you on LTC Heroes. Hopefully one of these days our paths will cross in person and I can give you a big hug and I love your inspiration, love your voice and thanks for sharing your story here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Visit ltcheroes.com to join our Facebook group for nurses and our exclusive LinkedIn group for LTC owners. Visit ltcheroes.com for your exclusive access today. This episode was brought to you by Experience.Care, the long-term care EHR backed by guarantees. Visit experience.care forward slash guarantee to get your free profitability consultation today.